0: One of the first and one of the best pieces of advice I ever got in business was from Anna Winter. I asked, you know, what what do you think is the most important part of your job? And what do you think is the most important part of my job? And she said, you know, it's the same. It's that you have to decide. And I said, you know, okay, sure. She said, no, I mean, you really have to decide. You... You have a meeting, uh, and you've got people who are counting on you to make a decision so that they can leave the meeting and go do their jobs. That's Bronson Van
1: Wyk. He's a renowned event planner and a leading authority on hospitality. I'm your host, Patrick McGuinness, and this is FOMO Sapiens, part of the HBR Presents Network. My name is Patrick McGuinness, and I'm the guy who invented the term FOMO. That's short for fear of missing out. Today, FOMO is an epidemic, and it's changing us so much that it sort of feels like we're evolving into a new species. But FOMO doesn't have to take over your life. You can find the power to choose what you actually want and the courage to miss out on the rest. I'll show you how right here on FOMO Sapiens. FOMO. Welcome to FOMO Sapiens, the show where I interview people who are changing the world and ask them how they choose from among the many opportunities and options in their busy lives. Over the course of a lifetime, you're going to attend thousands of events. Whether it's a conference, a wedding, or a launch party for a new brand, each of these experiences must compete for your time and your attention. In a busy world, capturing mindshare and imagination is not just an art, it's a business. And my guest today is one of the best in that business. Bronson Van Wyk founded Van Wyk and Van Wyk in 1999 with his mother, Mary Lynn. Since that time, his talent and style has drawn clients like Presidents Clinton, Bush, and Obama, Madonna, and Beyonce. Bronson also creates strategic events programs for brands like Chanel, St. Regis, Christie's, Range Rover, and Van Cleef & Arpels, among many others. An avid traveler, writer, photographer, and host, Bronson resides in New York City. His first book, Born a Party, Forced to Work, will be released by Fiden in October 2019. Welcome to FOMO Sapiens, Bronson Van Wyk. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. So I like to start out the show with the same question every time. And the question is, what turns you into a FOMO Sapien?
0: Oh, God, I don't think anything uh, that happens turns me into a FOMO Sapien. I think I was born a FOMO Sapien. Um, I guess I used to be sorry that I missed a party that I heard about um missed going to it now maybe i miss getting to do a party that i hear about if i didn't do it generally i go um and hopefully i get to do them though yeah i have a feeling you're a lot like me which is the person who has like four events a night
1: and somehow manages to make them all but you end up starting at like seven and ending at like two am am i correct
0: i do that way too often um and and because I do it way too often, actually I end up having FOMO for my bed. So I, when I go out, I guess I'm sort of missing out on sleep and missing out on being at home. And then I start to think maybe I need to be doing that instead. And maybe I maybe I'd feel better right now as we're talking if I if, if that had been the case last
1: night. <laughs> uh, I'm also guilty of that. Um, all right, so I want to get right into this. You are in this world of hospitality and event planning, and it's a world that. You know, a lot of us go to events. A lot of us, a lot of us uh, realize it's a big business. but We don't know a lot about it. So, first, just to start off, basics: What is the role of an event planner today, particularly when it comes to the corporate world?
0: Mm. Particularly as it as it relates to the corporate world. You know, I there was an article in the New York Times um, recently, and they said events are the new magazines. Really. Um, and so, um, I mean, what that means is that. Magazines used to be the way that a brand could uh, tell its story, could uh, explain who it was, uh, what the qualities uh, about it were that would appeal to a given set of consumers. And now uh, now we get our information in a different way. And so I think events are an incredible opportunity uh, to build platforms. For communication and persuasion, and and then engage the people who attend them in the process of disseminating that information. And obviously, because they're doing it through their social media networks, it's sort of a pre-approved uh, endorsement uh, by by people you like uh, that that tell you where to go, what to buy. Um, so I think th- that's a role in, in the corporate sense. In terms of what we're doing with events, we're trying to create immersion. And so we're trying to take the essential qualities of a brand, distill them down into a set of uh, characteristics that can be expressed in, a, in an environment, and then welcome guests into that environment so that when they leave, they know more about a brand – um, they feel a greater affinity toward a brand. Um, I think that if we can if we can make people uh, know about a brand or a product or a service through an event, that's great. If we can make them uh, need a, a, a product or a service through through what they get to experience at an event, uh, that's also great because then they'll go out and buy it. If we can make them love a, a brand, or a product or a service that's the best of all because they'll not only go out and buy it but they'll also tell everybody that they know to buy it and so you're creating kind of armies of of uh, i i hate the word influencer at this point we need a
1: replacement for influencer. yeah we really do we'll 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 come up with that and we'll tweet it out later today
0: all right we're waiting for you to do that (laughs) tell me
1: something so you it's very interesting what you say and it is true that especially i think in a place like new york city if you walk around new york city there are immersive events everywhere these days in a way that weren't that weren't in the past, and in fact, they're oftentimes filmed and then used to create social media campaigns or, or ads or things like that. When you think about the clients you've worked with, what event do you think is emblematic of this immersive experience of which you're you're talking
0: about? Oh, I think everything that we've been doing for brands in I mean the the past, I would say, uh, I would really actually say for ten years. Mm-hmm. Has been about content, and if a brand is is making an investment in an event, and that is what events are—they are investments. They're just the same as uh, buying uh, a new embroidery machine is for a fashion house. Uh, the same as as a, a, a ball bearing uh, assembly line. An event is an investment. It's a marketing investment, um, and so you need to see return on the investment. So we did an event for um, uh, there was a real estate developer who had and this is this was uh, just uh, two years ago they, he, he had bought up uh, a bunch of land in the South Bronx mm-hmm. and he was going to develop it and build nice apartments uh, good places for people to live the problem is even though the South Bronx is only 12 minutes uh, on the subway from Midtown, it's got a perception problem uh, with people who live in Midtown. So he needed to build a kind of different perception and, uh, and different understanding of what that neighborhood was and what it had to offer. So he came to us, and we worked with a team. There was a great uh, PR company involved. that was Nadine Johnson. You might know her. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, we created a kind of rave up there and the the party was a huge party for 3500 people in a warehouse we got the artist Lucian Smith to create a site-specific installation we got nine DJ's to 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 come play we had uh, he had Travis Scott perform we had all the local uh, restaurants and and even uh, gastro gourmet the, the these uh, the, the the little food stalls that you see on the street up in the South Bronx they all catered the party and we got school buses and brought the party up from Manhattan from Brooklyn from Queens every, you know sort of brought everybody in at the party we had uh, maybe. Fifty or sixty of the top uh, Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat influencers who live in New York City. So each of these people had more than a million followers. We got to host the party. Um, everyone from Naomi Campbell to Gigi Hadid to Jeannie Greenberg, the gallerist. To uh, it was all over the place, but but people who, who uh, people want to know what they're doing. They want to know where they're going. They want to know, and so we made this event. the Because we brought the influencers and we put them together with the, the artist and in the middle of basically what was a site-specific sculpture and, and culminating in a piece of performance art and then a Travis Scott performance, this was a night that, talk about FOMO, everybody in New York wanted to be at this party. We we ended up getting more than 3 billion media impressions from the influencer group who was at the party. Two weeks later, the New York Times called... Oh, and we hashtagged the party Sobro South Bronx. Two weeks later, the New York Times called that neighborhood Sobro. And a year and a half later, the developer sold his property um, 5x, what he paid for it. Wow. So that's what an event can do, um, and I think it's, it's, it's apparent in the way that uh, investment marketing dollars are shifting from traditional advertising in all the various channels that that occurs in, and still occurs in, and, and I, I think probably is still effective to, to the degree uh, that it is. But a lot of that money is shifting over to experiences
1: first of all i do feel like i missed out on that party
0: but one of the things that i think is interesting is that you you've mentioned
1: very clearly is return on investment you, all of the metrics that come out of this and and there's a very clear uh consideration of what you're getting for the investment that you're making which i think a lot of people may not think about they're calculating that roi oh
0: yes they are and and it's something if they're they, not count, if they're not calculating it they're 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 not uh being good fiduciaries of their of their investors' money, exactly, and so there is a
1: there is a clear there should be a clear um, consideration of these types of elements, and that's what at the end of the day, if, if people are doing this over and over again, aren't seeing the ROI, they're not going to call you again. One thing that also strikes me is that uh, you know we talk about uh, the word influencer is well well overused. The other word that I think is way overused is the word authentic. Uh, you hear that word now all the time in world marketing, but, um, but it is important that you, in your work, create events that are, I'll, let's use the word genuine today, genuine, that correspond to the values of your client. But I'm curious, what do you do when your client is just really, maybe is very staid or, you know, I don't want to say the word boring, but, you know, they're not the most exciting client. How do you stay true to the client, but also create an event that's super impactful for them?
0: We don't have any boring clients. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think that um bringing it back to the guests. And and this is doesn't doesn't just apply to corporate. Uh, this is this is hospitality 101. And you know, I just finished a book um, that I turned in mm, 4 weeks ago. Um and congratulations. Th- thank you very much. It's going to it's going to come out uh in October. Um so it, but it, but it's about entertaining and hospitality in the 21st century. It's called Born to Party, Forced to Work, which is the story of my life. (laughs) Um, But hospitality always comes back to the guests. And it's, you know, you look at every culture uh, in every uh, geographical zone uh, on the planet. Each culture, completely independently of the others, came up with a way to regulate the interaction uh, between hosts and guests, between uh, people you know and people you don't know. And this was a necessary development for civilization. And, and every culture ultimately uh, brought it into the sphere of the, div- of the divine. You know, the, the in, with the Greeks, uh, Zeus is the king of the gods, he's also the god of hospitality. And Hermes is the messenger god, but he's also the god of guests. You look at um, in in Buddhism, you look at the Hindu religion. Even in the, the sort of foundational myths of Christianity, have to do with uh, a couple who are turned away from every inn in a village, and they have to give birth to the son of God in a in a stable because nobody would receive them as guests. So hospitality is is a kind of sacrament in a way. And, and um, what is hospitality? It always is about making your guests comfortable and making your guests feel good and anticipating what your guests might need. And that, that starts with the basics, the physical. So you've got to keep them warm. You've got to keep them dry. Um, it, it, if they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them a drink. Um, but it also goes to the emotional and their emotional and spiritual welfare so you want to make people feel feel good and feel safe and feel able to be themselves and feel able to share themselves and so that doesn't change um, I think if you lay a foundation uh, of, of that, then everything else is kind of fun, and everything else is kind of icing on the cake. So you know, you say <clears throat> you've got a boring client. Um, I mean, first of all, boring's in the eye of the beholder, um, I think. But but probably if people are coming to that that person's event, um, well, a they might not be as boring as this this uh, <laughs> so-called host. <laughs> but 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 maybe. Maybe that host is not boring to them. He might be boring to us, but, but maybe he's not boring to them. And so the if the host can figure out a way to share something of himself and share something interesting uh, with his guests, he's going to make them want to share themselves. And when people start doing that, we start having real, uh, authentic uh, meaningful interactions with each other, which is really what we all crave at the end of the day. I mean, I, it's, it, it's it's glamorous and fun and wonderful when the flash bulbs are going, but really what we want is just to know that we're okay and other people think we're okay and want to spend time with us, right? So when you do an event, you can't control everything. For example, you gave
1: this great example of this party you did in the Bronx and you worked with influencers. And the, the minute you bring in... All of these forces, especially people who all have platform and have major followings, uh, and they're going to reinterpret everything you do and then share it with their followers. You are inviting a little chaos into the message, right? You're inviting it, it, it has to necessarily be uncontrolled in a sense, um, but at the same time, that brings its own risk. If you think about, obviously, uh, a fire fest kind of thing where uh,
0: you'll never be involved. In one of those, I'm sure, but but things well, not not without a. Fifteen dollar wire deposit in my bank account <laughs> you know four months before the event exactly um, which which anyone should have known if that wasn't happening it wasn't gonna happen
1: yeah th- that one is a particularly uh, egregious example of something that was just totally mishandled and, but at the same time, what's interesting, too, is that it became – the only reason we know about it is because all of the people who were associated and started tweeting about it and started rage-tweeting all that sort of stuff. So when you think about – as you create events, like how do, you, how do you manage the potential that maybe something doesn't go perfectly or that somebody kind of goes off the rails and starts, um, starts sharing or, or tweeting or whatever about the event in a way that isn't, isn't positive,
0: That's always a risk. And some of that is always going to happen. And, you know, I, I thought about when we, when my mother and I started this business 19 years ago, we, we are the first few events we did, we actually catered them as well. And we don't do catering now. Haven't done it since really the first year we were in business. And the reason why we don't do it is because every single guest, every person is an expert on food. Ah. Every single person eats three meals a day, and so I didn't want that kind of level of expert scrutiny on every move I made. Because the fact of the matter is, you can make the absolute best—you uh, can make the absolute best dish, the absolute best fried chicken, the absolute best uh, black miso cod. But, but you know, there are people who just don't like fried chicken. And they're not going to be happy, and um, and so that's that's a problem, and and they're going to say something about it, and so I I didn't want to be involved in that, but but the I guess I'm too fragile. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think with an event you're always going to have some of that, but but the fact is that <clears throat> if you can if you can have more of the conversation be positive. Um, which I assume you can, and in our case, knock on wood. Luckily, that's we we've been able to do that. There may be one, there may be a person who causes some problems or complains, but it's actually it kind of adds to the conversation in a way. And you know, I think that the fire festival um, is a, a great example of a colossal boondoggle and disaster. And but I think that the real story with the fire festival is not the story of the experience of the 500-odd people who went down there. I think the story is of the cultural um, sort of uh, zeitgeist, the, the the schadenfreude rejection of all of those people and the disdain heaped upon the people who went. I mean, I think that the 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 Billy McFarlane situation, okay, he's a criminal, and I think he's in jail still. Yes. Um, and... Um, But, but, and, and so for all. Maybe he's
1: listening, by the way, so shout out.
0: Yeah. Hi. Shout out. uh, (laughs) Shout out, criminal. Um, The the people who went down there have a lot to complain about. But what, what to me was, was interesting um, or funny about that situation, um, if funny is the right word, is those 500 people had, had, had one guy to complain about, but half the rest of the country started complaining about the 500 people. And so I guarantee you if there were another fire festival and it were called fire festival um, and there was any kind of assurance um, that 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 on a production level it would succeed I, it would sell out in a second yeah it would sell out in a second so they got their national conversation it's too bad that it was all based on fraud um, it's too bad that there was no are there, there there was no actual business that it was promoting i mean his little entertainment app platform which by the way was never going to work um but but it did its job so bronson you go to a lot of events when you go to a party
1: what do you bring to the table like what should we as attendees to events bring in order to make them
0: sort of better than they would be without us well you know this is actually a section in my book um and it's the obligations of a guest. Most of the book huh. is about the obligations of a host, but you know it's a reciprocal relationship. Sure. And guests have uh, duties, uh, and I think that for me, going to a party, I'm um, I'm always assuming that there is someone else who's who's at the party, who's at least as nervous. To be there, to be there as I am, and I'm generally, I generally have social anxiety when I go to events, and I think going to them is this strange, kind of, Freudian exercise in conquering my own demons. And here I am. This is my entire life, um, is going to my events. <laughs> so it's battle all the time, baby. In, inside the brain, battle. <laughs> um, no, I I have to assume that there's. I always assume there are other people there who feel the same way. And I try to figure out who those people are, and I try to make them have a better time. So, I mean, I, I'm the first one to do do a shot or get on the dance floor, or um, you know, if if the karaoke machine gets turned on, I'm game. But but what I do every time is I try to look around the room and see if there's anyone who needs to be brought more fully into the fold. Um, And I think that's the nicest thing a guest can do for a host. That's uh,
1: something we should all aspire to, I think, is, I mean, what you're saying at the end of the day is making sure that everybody feels like they're welcome seems like the best thing you can do as a guest uh, to help out
0: the host. You oh make... and never complain. Oh, is it? Never that? Okay. complain. Oh, never n- nobody's complain. gonna buy me to their parties anymore. Yeah, <laughs> just don't complain. I mean, you know, if there's a problem, help fix it. Be part of the solution. Don't be part of don't be part of the announcement of the problem. So So, Bronson, this is the show about uh, finding the power to choose
1: what you actually want in business and life and finding the courage to miss out on the rest. So you're a man who makes a lot of decisions every day based on what I'm hearing from you. Just the amount of detail and decision is insane. How can our guests make decisions and stick with them?
0: One of the first and one of the best pieces of advice I ever got in business was from Anna Winter. And, um, she came to the very first event that my mother and I ever did and, uh, and I enjoyed it, I think, and then put it in the magazine and, and, you know, I would run into her, uh, periodically over the years. And in maybe the first year that I was working, I, I asked, you know, what, what do you think is the most important part of, your job and what do you think is the most important part of my job and she said you know it's the same it's that you have to decide mm. and I said you know oh, I, okay sure she said no I mean you really have to decide you you have a meeting uh, and you've got people who are counting on you to make a decision so that they can leave the meeting and go do their jobs and so you have to give them the information that they need which is a decision, to to do their jobs. And you may be wrong. And sometimes, sometimes inevitably, you will be wrong. But, you know, she, and she said, I, I have a magazine to put out every 30 days. If I'm wrong this month, I'll be right next month. But the magazine has to get out. And that's really, an event is kind of the same way. There is a time frame here, like the party will start. We have to just move. Um, and so I try to never have a meeting with my team. Um, and I, 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 I don't ever want them to leave a meeting with me not knowing exactly how I feel or where I stand about, about a decision that needs to be made. And at the
1: same time, while you're being so decisive you can't do everything. Decisive slash terrified. Right. Well, they go together <laughs> sometimes, right? I you mean, because you you, you you don't have perfect information. We no, all live within no. a world of information asymmetry, and you have to accept the fact that, you know, you can have the best of intentions and make the best decision, but that once you decide, then the world happens.
0: But, you know, sometimes that's the best part of it, because it's particularly when we're living in a more and more inclusive and more diversified world, we have different frames of reference now. Yeah, You're more likely if 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 your company is 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 committed and and is actively uh, trying to make itself as diverse as as the world around us is, you're you're more likely to be talking to somebody who didn't have exactly the same education you did, didn't focus on the same subjects, didn't study the same things, didn't have the same life experiences, didn't grow up eating the same things you did, didn't travel to the same places. So you've got to get really specific, yeah, and be very clear. But you also have the opportunity to listen more and learn more and hear more about what can happen or what things can be. And that expands
1: all of us, I think. And so as you're doing all this, you can't do it all. What are you missing out on? Sleep. Okay. <laughs> I think we can Sleep. all appreciate that. Um, <laughs> well, it's been really fun having you to here today on the show, Thank and you. it's been really fun getting to know you and and learning about your business. Well, so, if people want to learn more about you, continue the conversation. Where can they find out more about you and about your business?
0: Well, um, in anticipation of um, my book, which comes out in October, which I hope everyone will uh, will pick up, um, I'm on Instagram. It's just my name at. Bronson Van Wyk. Mm-hmm. Um, the company is on Instagram. It's at Van Wyk Van Wyk, and the that, and that's the that's the company that does the brand events. Uh, sorry, that, that does the private parties, and the the company that, that does the brand events is is called Workshop, uh, which is also on. Um, and we're www.vanwyk.net and www.workshopworldwide.com.
1: And keep your eyes open because I have a feeling your book launch party is going to be epic. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, maybe if I'm lucky, I'll be Instagramming from it. Thank you. All right, Bronson, thanks a lot for coming by today. Thank you very much. FOMO. And now it's time for the FOMO moment of the show, which is when I talk about FOMO and pop culture or tell you what's giving me FOMO. And today I have a special guest in the studio. It's my mom, Sonya McGinnis. Mom, welcome. Well, thank you, Patrick. All right, so you're in town from Maine. When you're here in New York, do you feel like your level of FOMO is higher than it usually is? Yes. Why is that? Because both of my
2: children... And my daughter-in-law and grandchild both all live in New York City, and I want to see them all the time and do everything. And I can't squeeze it all in.
1: And let me tell you something. She does pretty well at that. (laughs) Uh, I I, want to know. Let's dig back into the archive. So when I was a kid, did I have a lot of FOMO? Is that happening?
2: I would say yes. Because you wanted to be involved in everything and do everything and be everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) so Basically, nothing changed. (laughs) And and you were a delightful child, but you really kept us busy.
1: I always called dad the man who knew no FOMO. And so would you say this is genetic or is there something else causing all the FOMO that I have?
2: I think you were born with with a joie de vivre. Oh, I like that. We're French Canadians, (laughs) so we speak French. And you just wanted to seize uh, seize the day, seize every moment, and live every minute. And I, I just think that's part of you, the way you were born. like to think there's a little bit of us in there, but,
1: you know. This is the story behind the FOMO, the woman who created <laughs> the man who came up with FOMO. So, Mom, I could have you on. We Maybe we'll do a whole show in the future, but I, I want to thank you for stopping by today and um, enjoy New York. Well, thank you, son. If you have an idea for the FOMO moment of the show, or if you have a question or comment, reach out to me at letsconnectatpatrickmcginnis.com or send me a tweet at PJ McGuinness. Also, you can take the official FOMO Sapiens diagnostic at patrickmcginnis.com slash FOMO dash quiz and find out if you're a FOMO Sapiens. FOMO Sapiens is part of the HBR Presents Network. The show is produced by AW360 and recorded in New York City. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at PatrickMcGinnis.com. You can also take the official FOMO diagnostic at PatrickMcGinnis.com slash FOMO-Quiz to find out if you're a FOMO sapiens. FOMO.